Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. You know, some things are worth saying again. Some things are worth saying again. Some things are worth saying again. I'm stuck on repeat. I'm doing a series right now called Repeat. How many knows when you, when you play music on your phone now, or, or maybe even on your uh, television, or I, I start to say on your home stereo, and then I realize nobody plays music in their home stereo anymore. Y'all do? Some of y'all still do. How many still does? Okay, all right. Well, I'm telling you right now, all of you that just raised your hands, you're old. But many of them have that repeat button. Just to keep, you can repeat a whole album or you can repeat one song over and over again. And it will get in your system. You know, Jesus said many times in scriptures, again, I say unto you. How many of you don't say again, I say unto you unless you've said it before? How many of sometimes you hear something, but you don't hear it? Remember this when Jesus would say things, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear. In other words, he's saying, you got an ear that you can hear, but that don't mean you're going to hear what I'm about to say. Because sometimes he don't just want us to hear in the natural, he wants us to hear in the spiritual. Because it's one thing to hear it here and process it, but it's another thing for it to be carved upon the tablets of the heart. Oh, I wish I had some help. It's another thing for there to be a groove cut in the mind. Paul said in the book of Romans, do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on, he goes on to say in the book of Romans, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Isn't it interesting that he didn't just say faith comes by hearing the word of God? He says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. He says it twice. In other words, sometimes you need to hear it, and you need to hear it again, then you need to hear it again, then you need to hear it again, then you need to hear it again, and then one day it's actually going to stick. Are y'all hearing me, church? There are messages in this house, there are messages in every church that's in tune with God that over the years God has given them messages. The pastor was unaware many times and the church was certainly unaware many times that these were messages that were meant for that moment but there were also revelations and messages that were meant to be said again because the next time you hear them you're going to get what you were supposed to get the first time and you didn't get it. Because how many knows, if, if your pastor, if you've been going to this church five years or more, raise your hand. If you saw the right church, been in your church five years or more. Now watch this. I'm telling you right now, there are things that I say, there are things that I preach on, that if you've been here five years or more, you've probably heard me say them hundreds of times. Because that's just who I am. But there are some things that you heard me preach four, five, six, ten years ago. That if I was to say them again today, they were profound. It would be like you've never heard them before. It's fresh manna to you. Because where you're at now is not where you were then. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. Your process to receive teaching and even correction are at a different place now than it was when it was said before. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I could tell right now some of y'all still ain't ready for correction. <laughs> thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Ain't that what Psalm 23 said? Do you know what that really means? That means when, when you whip me. Listen, the only reason the shepherd has that rod and is curved at the top is to grab you up by the nap of the head and pull you back when you get out of line or flip that thing over and spank your rear end. And what, and what David was saying is, I'm comforted in the fact that I got a God that's not going to let me walk off the cliff. Come on. I got a God that's not going to let me go drink that poison water. He's going to lead me to fresh water. He's not going to let me eat that poison berry. So sometimes you need to hear it again. Again, I say unto you. Again, I say unto you. So, so we're in part four now. I don't know how long this was going to go because God's using it. And I'm bringing back, and each one of these parts is one sermon, but it's a series that we did. So some of you might remember from 2018, a series called Kingdom Armor. When we talked to it, in fact, I was reminded when we went back, I was looking back over it. I don't even know if my wife remembers this, but uh, we literally preached that two of those weeks together. We, we tag team part one of Kingdom Armor together. You, I don't know if you remember that. Oh, by the way, happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Thank y'all. I want y'all to know that all of y'all are my Valentine, but none of y'all are my Valentine like that one. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I better move on. <laughs> well, <laughs> go Sandy, go Sandy. Okay. Listen to me. I believe this message that I'm about to preach for the next few minutes might be one of the most important ones that you need to put on repeat that I will preach in this series. Because there is an all-out assault right now against your mind. They, they, they would, the devil would love to put you in a cage naturally, but he, don't, he knows he can't lock you up naturally. But he will not be satisfied till he locks you up mentally and socially and, and, and puts you in a prison in your mind that you don't think you can ever get out of. He is trying to reprogram you and what you think about you. See, you will only, you got to get this deep. You will only ever be who you think you will be. You didn't hear that. You didn't hear that. I'm telling you right now. Listen, I don't mean to be. This is not a sacrilegious statement. If you're spiritually mature at all, you'll get it. You need to stop saying, I'm going, I commit myself to be what God wants me to be. Really? Have you read the Bible? Have you read who he wants you to be? When's the last time you met that criteria? Because here's the reality. God's will, 
that is in scripture for the corporate church and for this world that he has written. Prophetic statements and, 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 and broad statements upon the body of Christ. That is his will that nothing you can do can change. But I'm going to blow your mind on something. There, are, there is a few things that is his will that on this earth will not happen just because it is his will. Because it is his will in who he is, but he has placed authority in, the, in human flesh, according to Genesis 1.26, to accept it, walk in it, oh, y'all ain't hearing me, or not. Hmm? Didn't he say, it wasn't a suggestion, he said go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was a command. Baptize people, lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. In my name you shall cast out devils. You see all these things, greater shall you do if I go to my father. You're going to do the same thing. When's the last time we did that? It's his will. The Bible goes on to say that all come to repentance and that none perish. It is his will. That's Bible. It is my will, says the Lord, that all come to salvation and none perish. So we know it's his will that everybody is saved and everybody comes to live with him for all eternity. But here's a very simple question. Is everyone going to heaven? Hell, the Bible says, is having to be enlarged daily. Because people are choosing to go against God's will. And God is allowing them to do it. But what you need to get is this. If God will allow you to make a decision to go against his will, then he is certainly hoping and will be ecstatic if you make a decision to walk in his will. And when you do that, you release something over you that can't be released until you do that. The blessings of God and the favor of God are reserved for the saints of God who are walking in the will of God. Oh, is this microphone working? But you are being programmed. You are being told to embrace a more liberal thinking. That was not a political statement. Jesus. I'm not talking about liberal and conservative. I'm talking about just anything goes liberal, the statement of what liberal really means. You want, to, you want to make a Jesus that is not the only way, but just one way. Well, you can get mad at me if you want to, but I'm not the one that said it. Our Jesus is the one that said it. No man gets here, goes to where my father is, except you come through me. You're being programmed. See, there is an all-out assault against your mind. The Bible says, as a man thinketh of himself, so is he. Who are you? I'm not asking you who does God say you are. Who are you? What do you think about yourself? Do you consistently call yourself a loser? A liar? A failure? Do you call yourself poor? Because if you call yourself poor, 
in your mind, you are poor. Therefore, what is in your mind will be manifested in your life. The Bible says we have the ability to call those things that are not as though they were. Now faith, Hebrews chapter 11, is the, faith, is, is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Oh, it might not look like I got it. It might not look like I'm walking in it. But it ain't up to what you see on me. It's up to what I see on me. Because if, and I'm not talking about making myself out to be anything other than God. I'm talking about seeing yourself the way God sees you. And when you begin to walk in it, all of a sudden you're blessed in the valley. All of a sudden you're blessed in the mountain. All of a sudden you're blessed going in. All of a sudden you're blessed coming out. If you ever ask Fred, Fred could be on dialysis. Fred could have just got out of the hospital. Fred could have just uh, had, had kidney problems, lung problems. He's gone through so many things in his body. But if you ever ask him how he's doing, he would respond, Oh, Pastor, I'm blessed by the best. I'm blessed by the best. Because watch this. Fred Cobb was not defined in his mind by what his body told him he was. To this very last breath Fred Cobb was and is a man of God he will not be remembered of someone who battled sickness he will not be remembered about how he went on to be with the Lord he will be remembered about how he lived while he was here I'm telling you right now I'm telling you right now legacy and the what God wants you to have is a life that outlives your life here we are talking about a man who used to sit right there and he ain't here anymore but his life has outlived his life. The world is trying, I'm, I'm just going to read what God gave me. I'm mean, y'all like it or not. The world is trying to change your allegiance to a different kingdom. You are being programmed to put all your faith in Caesar. And in the government, you are taking your mandates from so-called experts, of which most of them do not even believe in God. You won't listen to your pastor, but you will listen to an atheist. Mm -hmm. Preachers are taking cues from bureaucrats. Lifelong politicians who have never worked a job in their life have become millionaires doing nothing but running for office trying to tell you that they know your pain. They know what you're struggling. And they are for the common man. I'm, this ain't a political. I'm just trying to tell you. You're putting your faith that someone's going to take care of your family who ain't never had to take care of a family. <laughs> Woo, yeah, come on. Hey, I'm in, a, I'm in. Listen, we're in a world right now. You might as well just go all in. 
I told y'all, y'all don't believe me, but I'm telling you. I'm looking for the day that Mark Zuckerberg writes me and says, you've been permanently banned from Facebook. Then if I'm still on YouTube, I'm working to be, I'm getting banned on that. And I, I'm thankful for, for everybody that gets to watch it. But I'm telling you, I'm not trying to be st stupid and get thrown off. But here's the reality. There's going to come a day. You better know this. It ain't going to be long from now that preachers who preach the Bible ain't going to be able to get on any of these. And, and I'm going to tell you, you better find you a church. You better find you some people that you can do life with. My God, you better find you a place to sit down and lock down and put some roots down because the enemy is coming after the church. you need to understand this if you truly are a kingdom kid then God has got you you listen if you are a kingdom kid you should be clothed in the king's armor y'all remember the story of David and Goliath I don't care who you are you heard of David and Goliath but, but what people don't, they don't preach this part of the story as much. They preach about the stone and flying up and killing the Goliath. But, but what you got to understand is before that stone ever left that sling, you need to understand David and who David thought he was. How he saw himself in God. See, David was taking some sandwiches to his brothers. Being a servant. He wasn't military, had no military training, had no expertise. And as he's just serving his own brothers, whose always was, always was chosen before him. He hears this mouth on top of a hill mocking God's church and God's people. Calling them pathetic dogs. Saying, why do you not send me somebody up to kill? Because you know if he comes up, I'm going to kill him. Your God is useless. Your God is nothing. And the people of God were listening to the voice of someone who didn't believe in God. And they were hiding, the Bible said, behind the bushes. Trying not to even make eye contact with the voice of the government that was persecuting them. And this boy wasn't looking for no fight. He's just being who God called him to be. He heard that. This ain't in my sermon today, but I'm preaching it right now. What did he do? He understood authority. He understood who God had set forth. So before he did anything, he went, if you will, to the pastor of the nation, the leader, the king, Saul who the Bible says was a very tall man. The Bible's very clear about that. Wasn't a giant, but he was a tall man. He was a man of war. So the king had an armor. So the Bible says, and this ain't in my sermon, but here we go. He walks in there and he says to the king, have you heard what is being said to God's people and about us? Oh yeah, we've all heard. He says, well, why have you not stood against it? So they laughed it off. Long story short, I'm not here to preach David and Goliath. But he says, well, look, if nobody else is going, I need to go tell that joker to shut up. Because you ain't going to talk about my God that way. Because I'm telling you, he can argue all he wants to, but a man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. I know my God. He's been with me out in the field with my sheep. He says, well, you know what, son, if you're going to be stupid, then at least take my armor. 
Now watch this. The Bible tells you this in the story of David and Goliath. That he goes over there and he grabs the breastplate of Saul. And this was, a, this was a small teenage boy. And he slides it on his body and the breastplate goes all the way to his knees. And he looks at Saul and he says, I don't know this armor. King James says, I don't know this armor. The word know in the King James means intimate. You ever heard that term? To know them in the biblical sense? That's what that means. He says, I don't know this armor. I've never used this armor in a battle. Thank you. But what you don't understand is I already got an armor. Appreciate it. Keep it for yourself. Because what it's going to take to defeat that devil, I can't do with that. What are you going to do? What, what are you going to use? I don't know this armor, but I know this sling. I know this sling intimately. I know these stones in my pouch. But more than anything that I know, I know my God. Because what you got to realize, oh my God, I, I, I might read some scripture today. I got, I got, they know back there, I got tons of scripture, but I got to flow with this. See, as he was walking up that mountain, and everybody's hiding behind the bushes going, well, he was a good kid. We'll try to make sure that his memory, is we, we remember him. Bless his heart. How many knows if he's in Alabama going up that hill, bless his heart. He's a good boy, bless his heart, but he, he ain't got no sense. He ain't got no common sense. I mean, he, yeah, God love him. God love his, bless his, bless his little heart, God love him. Look at him. He's skinny. Got that old piece of leather wrapped around him. Oh, I can't watch. But what they don't realize, as he's walking up that hill, he's still, he's a human. Don't you know his flesh started getting a little nervous? Don't you know the natural side of him started getting a little scared? You ever been in a situation where you was under the boldness of God and you ran straight into the battle and just when you about to, the bullets start flying, you think something like this inside. Oh God, what have I done? <laughs> what in the world was I thinking? <laughs> but it's too late, you're in the battle. So when his knees start shaking a little bit as he's climbing, reaching in that pouch, gospel according to Larry, but I can almost see it playing out like this. I can hear the Lord just begin to speak to the spirit man. David, my son. Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Don't forget the day that the lion jumped out on your sheep. Nobody was there to help you. Your brothers were nowhere. There was no soldiers. There were, you didn't even have a sword. All you had was your bare hands. David, remember when you looked over. And one of your precious babies that you've been taking care of and leading was in the mouth of that lion, screaming to the top of his lungs because he knew he was dead. You remember before you even thought about it, I came on you and you ran right in the face of the lion. And with your own hands, you pulled that sheep out of the mouth of the lion. Do you remember that? Do you remember that, son? That's because I know you better than you know you. Don't forget it. He started getting a little bit bold. He starts walking up the mountain. He puts his hand back in the pouch. All he can hear. And all of a sudden, he's, he's, fire. he's full of fire. And then he gets overshadowed again. You dog. 
What kind, of, what kind of pathetic man do you think I am that your God would send me a boy? You're just a boy. His mind starts, sort of like when Peter was walking on the water. As long as he was looking at Jesus, as long as he knew that Jesus had him locked, uh, locked in his eyes, he was good. But then he heard the storm. But then he heard the wind. And he started to sink. I can almost see David going down a little bit before. But again, because I've been there. But then he heard the voice of the Lord again. Son, listen to me. You remember when the bear tried to eat all your labor. Tried to take out those sheep that you love. And you killed that bear with your own on bare hands you remember that that's who you are so as he's climbing that mountain he retold himself he's put it on repeat he reminded himself one day David didn't know that one day in his future when he was king he was battling for the kingship, and this same God, this same man that he had just submitted himself, would turn on him with a murderous spirit and chase him down to kill him. Was hell bent on killing him? He'll remember before the before the nation was unified, and he just led one tribe, the tribe of Judah. He'll he remembered when he was off in battle, and he came back, and all of the wives were taken, all of the children of every one of his soldiers were taken. And the village was burned to the ground. Not a single wife, not a single child was left. As far as they knew, they had all been killed. I'm praying. I'm praying, brother. In the name of Jesus, let me know. All right? The Bible said he looked at his own soldiers, the ones he thought would be with him no matter what, and they had to look on their faces. They turned against him. They were getting ready to kill him. But David heard the voice of the Lord saying, Get away. Pull yourself away. I need to remind you of something. And the Bible said, as he got away, watch this. This is how he remembered who he was. The Bible says these words, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. See, sometimes you're waiting on God to tell you who you are. But God may be waiting on you to finally get it. And sometimes it has to look like you've lost everything and everybody's turned on you to get you isolated enough for you to tell yourself who you are. That's what happened to me. 2007. I was in the hospital five of the first six months, the last time 31 days straight. It took me 28 days into 31 days of not being able to eat, drink, or even a wet sponge tucked touched my mouth, being fed through a tube in my neck that went all the way down and touched my heart with a bag on my side with bile draining 24 hours a day, would not seal up. Took me 28 days of being on drugs, being on pain medicine before finally I had enough and I had it out with God. When I got through saying all the things I wanted to say to God, God looked at me and said, are you through? Because now I need to tell you about you. He didn't remind me of the man of God that I was at the beginning. He reminded me of the man that I'd allowed myself to become right now. I had forgotten who I was. And my life was changed that day. When I, I, I cried out to God 
I'm telling you, by the end of that day, that doctor came in to me by myself in that hospital room and said, I don't understand it. In, in all the years of my practice, I've never seen a hole in the side of someone's intestines not heal. It will not heal. 28 days we've been waiting for that flesh to just draw up and forget for that bile to keep seeping into your body, but it will not heal. He said, so today I just had the idea. I'm doing another x-ray on you. Because I had so much poison in my body, they had, to, they had to stick that long rod that they put those tubes in. You nurses know what I'm talking about. They had to use an x-ray to just find, they looked at all this bile that was in my body, and they just stuck it in the middle of the bile, thinking they'll, dra- they'll drain that out, and then the hole will heal up. This, all, this sounds like a movie, by the way. It needs to be a movie, if you're watching. But... He said, I'm going to look at it one more time and see what, if I can see what's going on. They laid me down on that, in that x-ray. They x-rayed me, and I'm going to tell you something. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. This is what they said. Of all the places, because we couldn't see what we were doing, you had so much poison in your body, that we inserted the rod to put the tube in your body. We inserted it precisely into the hole. It was never going to heal. Never. Because my body had grown scar tissue around the tube. It had now made the tube a part of my body. So they had to, you can imagine if flesh has grown to it, how it felt when they jerked it out of me. I screamed at the top of my lungs because I felt my flesh ripping inside of me. Two days later, I walked, three days later, I walked out of the hospital because now it could heal. But let me tell you something. I had to get to the place. The doctors and the nurses, you know how they are. They come in and check on you every 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes. You're going to let you sleep for nothing because you got to have them vials. For almost an hour, no one came in. They tried to explain it later. Sorry, there was confusion. We had a shift change, and they, they, they thought that they'd already checked on you. I, I told that nurse, I said, I appreciate it, but it wasn't no shift change. God kept y'all out because he had to get me. He had to arrest me. They didn't know what to think about it. That's why I'm still here today. So I've I've gone through the fire, y'all. So I say, listen, I am not giving up for nothing. Nothing that's happening on the news, nothing that's happening around me in the world is going to stop me. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to tell you this. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You need to get this if you don't get anything else. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, news alert. The president is not your enemy. How many more times does somebody need to say that before you finally get it? I know you ain't got it because some of y'all still blowing up social media every time yours is, had this done to it or yours didn't have that done to it. Where is your allegiance? Where is your allegiance? We wrestle against principalities, powers, 
against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness and hosts in high places. Therefore, take on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many knows every day is evil? But there's coming a day that is the final generation. And the Bible says in that final generation, there will be the greatest falling away that the world has ever seen. People that serve God all their lives will turn their backs on God because they will believe a lie. They will have tickling ears. They will not listen to sound doctrine. They want to be tickled. They want to be told that it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. And gosh darn it, you're going to make it. Go take on the world. Go take on the day. Tickle, 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 tickle. Nobody wants to hear there's still a hell. Nobody wants to hear for the wages of sin is death. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. When you're in the midst of the battle and you fought and you fought and you can't fight anymore. Don't lay down and give up. Just sit down at the table and eat. Because God has found you faithful in the battle. But there comes a part of the battle that you can't win. The Bible says the battle, the true battle, is not a battle of the flesh or the will, but the battle belongs to the Lord. That's good preaching whether you like it or not. Let me tell you something about the armor I'm talking about. The armor I'm talking about can't be seen by your natural eyes. I know I look like the Pillsbury Doughboy on the outside. But if you could see me on the inside. Mm, yeah. On the outside, I look like I'm carrying a keg around with me. On the inside, I got a six-pack. Actually, I got a five-pack. Hmm. The five-fold ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. I'm a, I'm a, let's make that trend. Hashtag five-pack. I got a five-pack. That'll cause people to say, what? No, you meant, did you mean to say six-pack? No, I don't need the world six-pack. Six is the number of man. I got a five-pack. Five is the number of the gifts of the whole. Oh! Somebody say this loud. You can't see just how awesome I am in Jesus on the inside. See, see, my, my power and my authority is not tied to my house that I live in. It's not tied to the car I drive. It's not tied to, to where my clothes was bought. Because this, this one come on the clearance section at, uh, at Walmart. This come from the thrift store. I think my socks came from Walmart. 
and I got some nice shoes. You know, you know what brand these shoes are? Shoes by George. And the inside of this is called George. How many knows where you get George shoes at? Walmart. So I'm a walking wheel, Walmart thrift store billboard. But I'm going to tell you something. It might not, I might not look like much on the outside. But greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Listen, I got something on the inside. I, I got an armor. I'm clothed, baby. I got clothes on. I ain't naked. I ain't no naked jaybird Christian. Some of y'all wonder why you can't fight the devils because you're naked. He ain't worried about you. He's laughing at you. My God, my mind's going a thousand miles an hour. I got ten sermons going on in my head right now. You think it's the coffee, baby? No, not today. Coffee. Coffee. Hey, that's an idea. I hadn't thought about that. Put my spark in my coffee. Yeah, y'all ain't gonna know what hit you next time. It's Shane's fault, y'all. Listen, what was I saying? Okay. Spiritual armor. My armor is unseen. But you know what? You know why it's unseen? Because. If it was seen, I'd always be admiring myself in the mirror. But what I need to fix to win this battle, I can't make this look like it needs to look to win it. Because faith operates in the what? The unseen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. And it becomes the evidence of things not seen. So faith operates in the unseen. So the battle that happens, happens in the unseen. It manifests many times in the natural. So you've got to understand something. There are two types of armor that every believer and every person, I would say every believer, has in their life. There is the natural armor, which is our body and our skin. You know, it for, to some extent protects us. Our bones, they can break, our skin can be cut, but to some extent things can hit us and touch us and our natural armor protects us. But it can only go so far. The unseen arm, and it only, by the way, protects. And then, by the way, let me go a little further. I can be in the military, and I can put on armor. I can be in the, in the I can put on a bulletproof vest. I can put armor all over my body. I can, I can dress like a, like what, what do they call them? Uh, um, knights of the round table. I can be dressed in metal to where every square inch of my body is covered, and I walk like this. But it can only do so much as well, right? It only protects me from things in the natural. But here's why he says be clothed in the spirit. Why put on the whole armor of God. Not just part of it, but all of it. Put it on. Watch this. God didn't say I put it on you. You put it on you. 
You have access to it. Everybody's got a key to the same closet. Hanging in that closet is the armor of God. You, you're a believer. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But if you're going to fight the devil, you got to make a decision to put on the helmet of salvation. To put on the breastplate of righteousness. To, to gird your loins with the truth belt. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit. You have to arm yourself. Because when you arm yourself, here's the cool thing. Your natural armor can only protect you against natural things. But the spiritual armor can protect you against spiritual things and natural things. Meaning the inside armor can protect you against sickness, against attack. But more than anything, it can protect you against the fight. See, David had an unseen armor that operated in the scene. We know that because when he stood there before him, and they finally stood there and Sling distance. They said his sword was so big. He was a giant. His sword was so big that it took another man just to carry his shield. And, and, and his sword was so big that only he could carry it, for the most part. Fight with it. I mean, you might could have been able to pick it up, but he, I mean, you got to be strong to pick up something like that. That the sword is bigger than I am. Taller than I am. So it took another man that just, his whole job was and stand behind it shaking. So he gets within distance of Goliath. And listen to the words. This is Larry Ragland's uh, paraphrase of it, but this is what he says. Hey, I've been hearing your mouth. I come to tell you two things. Number one. Shut up. Stop it. You ain't going to talk about my God like that no more. <laughs> what did you say, little boy? Oh, did you just call me a little boy? Let me tell you something about me. I ain't what I look like. Y'all, you don't understand. He's sitting there, listen. I ain't what I look like. See, you come to me with a natural armor. Go back and read your Bible. This is what he said. You come to me with your big old spear, your big old sword, but what you got ain't nowhere near what I got. I come to you not in the name of David, not even in the name of Jesse, not in the name of Israel, but I come to you in the name of Jehovah God Almighty, the one that was and is and is to come. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. Don't you look at me and think that I'm the one that's standing here. No, I'm just the vessel of the Most High God. The one you're talking about, he's in me, he's on me, he's around me, he's in my hand, he's on this rock. <laughs> oh, you don't believe me in the name of Jehovah God listen if it was in modern day time and it was a movie that's when cue immediately into slow motion 
face. Zoom in on the face of Goliath. Face of Goliath starts like this. Slow motion goes like this. The devil didn't know what hit him. But God will take an unseen armor of a shepherd boy to take down the mightiest of the mighty. But wait a minute. You didn't hear. You, you, you got to hear the rest of this. Then he will empower you at times to even take from the enemy what he thought was his to finish him off. He's out cold. How many, how many would still watch his wrestling or used to watch wrestling? Back in the day before they finally admitted the truth. And some of y'all are about to be devastated. It's not real. I'm sorry. I hate to be the one to tell you it's not real. It's scripted. But I'm going to tell you, back in the day before they had to be forced to admit that, it took me a while to figure it out myself. When I finally figured it out, I realized a lot of folks in Alabama back in the 80s and 90s did not know it wasn't real. They would fight you. But watch this. How many times have you seen this one happen? I'm closing. Boom. There's a pile driver on him. Knocks him down. He's, he's laying there. Ref standing right there. Crowd's going crazy. All of a sudden, he goes over to the, you know who this is. He, he, he's after, he's, he's bouncing on the ring. He's walking around. This is when I begin to realize it's scripted. Because you have 20,000 people screaming, he's getting up. He's behind you. Hold on, go on. And in the background, you see the one that's knocked out. He, he's like a, He's slowly getting up. 20,000 people's trying to help him. But he's so full of himself. He's so into the praise. Y'all know how this ends. That he don't realize while he's claiming victory, Goliath got up. And now he's really mad. And he, boom, hits on the back. Pile drives him, blindsides him, goes down, falls on top of him. Ref counts you out, you just lose. The whole world's in shock. But 20,000 people saw it coming. David understood when God uses you to win a battle, you better take out the enemy. And I'm not talking about the natural. Got to clear that up right now. Not talking about in the natural. Not talking about a person. Not talking about nothing like that, okay? God Almighty, I hate that I have to qualify everything now. There was a day that when a preacher said that, you, you realize he didn't mean take a baseball bat and beat up your enemy that lives next to you. Finish him off. No. I'm talking about in the spirit realm. He went over and took the sword of Goliath. And took his head off. You know I love this? I love this. Man, this ain't nothing what I was going to preach today. But this has been good. I'm almost done. This, this is like one of the greatest mic drop moments in the world. 
but it's a head drop. I mean, he didn't go back home. And y'all can fault David if you want to, but I think God told him to do this, to try to teach the children of Israel who was about to be king. He goes back into the same room where the armor of Saul is still hanging in the closet. He's sitting up on his big gold throne, got the, got the big feather blowing air on him, got his, got his girls feeding him grapes. He's like, whoa, how'd you come back in? I didn't think I'd ever see you again. Well, I'm back. I ain't got much to talk about. Just want to do one thing. Head drop. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. David didn't ask for that. But the people saw there was something different about him. He was clothed in something that the greatest soldiers was not clothed in. In the natural. I'm finishing. The one thing you got to get, and I, I skip all the way at the end because you got to get this before I, before I leave. Because you realize I'm trying to preach five weeks in one week. One of the stories that nobody hardly preaches on is when the children of Israel made it to Jericho. And they're marching around the walls. They're doing what God told them to do. And they're getting ready to shout. And we all know that story. When the Lord tells you, the priest, to tell them to blow the trumpets, to, uh, tell Aaron to tell the priest to blow the trumpets, they blow the shofars, and with a loud, loud shout, shouting the walls will come down, right? And the walls came down, and they went into the promised land. But what people don't preach on is Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Joshua's now taken over from Moses. And it came to pass that when Joshua was by Jericho, the walls, that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And the man said, No. That don't even make sense, does it? Are you for us, God's people, or are you against us? No. In other words, I'm for my people, but my people can come from any nation as long as they become my people. I'm for people who chose me. Oh, this is Old Testament. No. I'm going to tell you who I am. I am the commander of the army of the Lord. I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped him. Angel worship is strictly forbidden. God's people knew you don't worship an angel. But he fell down and worshipped him. And listen how he addresses him. What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Reminds me 
of when his spiritual father looked at a burning bush and heard a voice coming out of that bush. And the voice in that bush said, Moses, take off your shoes for where you stand is holy ground. In other words, I'm about to do something on you and in you. This is a holy moment. I want to tell you that I don't have time to preach it, but you can go all through the Old Testament and you can find the angel of the Lord that came. Capital A of the Lord. And that word angel in the King James is the word, the messenger, or the word of the Lord. And the Bible tells us, of course, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word of God, the three that bear record in heaven, the Father, and the word and the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the way the word Jesus that we now know him as because he became flesh, the way he manifests himself many times in the Old Testament was as the angel of the Lord, the messenger of the Lord. How many did we throw in the furnace? We threw three, Shadmach, Reshach, and Abednego. Well, then who is the fourth man in the fire likened unto the Son of Man? All through Scripture, I can show you that angel. J- uh, Jacob wrestled with an angel. He said, let me go. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. And not only did he, he put his hand in the hollow of his thigh, which is a sign of a covenant between God and man, dislocated it. and said, from this day forward, you will no longer be known as Jacob, which means deceiver. I have changed your name, and your name shall be Israel. You think an angel has the right to change the name of, of a man who would become the name of the nation that is God's chosen people? That was Jesus. I could tell you many more. So when Joshua ran up on this soldier, he ran up on the word. Jesus, clothed in the armor of God. Saying, take your shoes off. Because what you're about to have to do for my people, you're going to need what I got on me. You can't lead my people without my arm. In the Old Testament, God wore the armor. And he would come on man, anoint them, and then he would come off of man. That's why the writer in Hebrews says, if the old covenant was, was, was exactly perfect in the eyes of God, there would be no need for a new covenant. But why was there a new covenant? Jesus died on that cross says the covenant begins at the death of the testator. And when he died and said, it is finished you got to get this in your spirit. It didn't just mean it is finished, now you can be saved. It is finished, now you can go to heaven with me. It is finished now, fill in the blame. He was also saying, now I can put on you everything that's on me. Oh, y'all didn't hear it. Put on the whole armor of God. In that armor, you'll understand me and what I want to do in your life. You couldn't put on that armor in the Old Testament. But now you can put on the armor that Joshua saw standing on the walls of Jericho. Now every believer, regardless of education, nationality, race, financial backing, whatever, you come unto the Lord, He can put His armor on you. Then you can say, Greater is he that's within me and on me. See, the one thing about the armor of God, it was when it was described, it was modeled after the Roman soldier's armor. And the one thing about the Roman soldier's armor that you need to get, and it was very key that God used that to describe the armor of God. So the Roman soldier 
did not believe in retreat and certainly did not believe in turning their back on the enemy. A very interesting fight tactic. If they were surrounded by the enemy, they would lock arms with one of their brothers. And one, they would be back to back. That's where the old saying is, don't worry, man, I got you back. That's where it came from. They would put back to back, locked with one arm, sword in the other hand. And as they fought, they knew, even though I can't see behind me, I've got somebody that's got my back. And the reason they had to do that, not just for the battle of fighting and winning, was because there was not one piece of armor on the backside of a Roman soldier. All it was was leather straps holding all the armor on the front, the breastplate, the helmet. You know, put the back of the head there. But it was the breastplate. They had things on their legs. They had things on their feet. They had the sword. Everything was used because it was expected that you would be on the offense, going after, not running from. We have a church now that we wonder why it keeps people in the church keep falling is because you turn your back and you don't see yourself the way God sees you, the way God wants you to see you. Fully clothed in the armor of God to take on what is from you, in front of you and not run from it. If the king has an armor, then his kids have access to the king's armor. The great thing about this armor, it's not in the natural. So it fits every size. Exactly the way it's supposed to fit. You receive this today. How many knows if there's ever been a time that we need children of God clothed in the armor of God, it is now. Teach our kids that. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for everything that you've done in this house. Every life that's been changed every decision that's been made to serve you. As I pray this prayer, God, if there's anyone in this place that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, that have not ever made you Lord of their life, that God, they would make that decision right now. They would choose to serve you. If they've known you before and backslidden, but they want to come back to you, God, put it on their heart. All they got to do is talk to you and ask you to forgive them. So right there where you're at, if that's you, I want you to do it. I'm going to call you towards the altar. I want you to do it. I just want you to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. God, forgive me for what I did. Just make it personal in your own way. And the Lord said, the answers of the Lord are yes and amen. Just like that, just like that. That forgiveness is the key to unlock the closet and clothe yourself in the armor of God. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Don't allow the devil to beat you up. The devil is a liar.